I spent the summers of my late teens and early 20s on an island in northern Michigan playing a fife and firing cannons and rifles. I was an historic interpreter on Mackinac Island. It had a year-round population of about 300, but the summer population blew up to about 2,000, mostly college kids who came to work for summer jobs and party. My first summer, I was 18, and on the highest point of the island, a cool little embankment that used to be a fort, I was drinking with a few friends, champagne, I'm pretty sure, and we were drunk. We were staring up at the stars when on the other side of the fort we could see floodlights from below the embankment. I was sure it was aliens, but it wasn't. It was one of the three vehicles on the island. The island was tiny and had never allowed cars except for the emergency vehicles, ambulance, fire truck, oh, and the cop car, which is exactly what was coming. We were definitely caught, and I received a ticket for illegal possession or minor in possession, it wasn't aliens coming for us, but that experience haunted me for years. Welcome to Broken Corners, Season 2. Uh, this year we're doing things different, and we have a guest. We, My name's Armando. <laughs> and this is Karen. And you just heard from Brian, who's one of our one of my oldest friends, and one of Armando's really good friends as well. And uh, this season... We thought, because we spent so much time last season talking about our own personal memories, maybe we would talk a little bit about other people's, and uh, we're even kicking off with a little bit of the sort of official version of memories, which is history. So, Brian. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hey, welcome. Welcome, welcome Thanks. to Broken Corners. Thanks. Studio Queens. Thanks. What do we call this? Studio Queens? Did you call me Studio Queens? Studio Queens. <laughs> yes, I did call you Studio Queens. Hey, speech off the bat. <laughs> uh, yeah, right off the bat. <laughs> Welcome to Hate Speech Corners. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys both have that. <laughs> you guys both have the connection. You guys work. That's where you guys met, right? Yeah, we yeah. did. We so, were, what, 18? Yeah. When wow. we met? Yeah. Wow. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been a while. So, you guys were 18. I mean, here's the question, and it, this is funny. I've known both of you for about eight years now, which is crazy. Um, but uh, I don't know how you guys met. So, I have been saving this question actually for this very Ooh. episode. <laughs> Juicy. So, please, um, tell me. I don't know. So, my first couple of years that I worked on the island, I wasn't working for the state park yet. I worked for this family where I was a nanny, and then they had a bunch of businesses. And there was sort of a lot of overlap between the park staff and the people who worked for this family. So, um, you know, basically everybody would just party together. And then you were up there because you were the scout coordinator. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't even technically employed as a, an historic interpreter that summer. Yeah. Although I did do it toward the end of summer. There's this program on the island where the Michigan governor has their summer residence, okay. and so there's um, troops of boy and girl scouts will come up for two week periods and do different duties around the park to help out. Yeah. And so that's. Yeah. So then I was like the coordinator and sort of like. I don't know. And you've been coming Supervisor. up there as a scout since I you did. were like three inches tall. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I mean, technically I was 10 years old, but yes, three inches tall. Yeah, the girls were um, later on. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was up there for like seven years as a scout uh, with my brother, and my dad was a scout leader. And then this job as the scout coordinator was just the person who like 
monitored and graded and I don't know kept watch on these. You just had to have somebody jobs. who lived there for the full summer to be you know to like work welcome like, in the new yeah, exactly you know, like gotcha. the transitions between each troop because they were yeah. each there for a week. But so I was working for this family in their sandwich shop that they had, and it was the only place that was open late night on the island, and so. It was, we were serving subs until two o'clock in the morning. Um, so the fort staff would come in a lot. They'd come in during the day too, and they'd be like, can I have water? And Brian would always come in and say, can I have cherry Coke flavored water? Um, I wasn't making a lot of money. I think it was like six dollars <laughs> no, yeah, an hour. None of us were making something. a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I was making four and a quarter. <laughs> it might have been less than it was, six. I mean, it was sort of the best job you could get because it was the cheapest housing. It was yeah. We wait. As far as you guys had to live there. Yeah. Right? So that was the first summer when we met, and we met some way like that. But then in the second summer, as I would say, when we became like much better friends. Yeah. Um, and that's when we started uh, living in the same house. But well, do, you remember my the, do you remember the summer before I was at I was at housing um, for some of the for the male staff from my business, um, and I wasn't supposed to be there, of course, because you were never supposed to mix in the housing. At La Rouge. At La Rouge, okay. yeah, this red house, and uh, there was this. We were watching Pink Floyd, The Wall. And there was this guy who was in his thirties or forties who was with the archaeology program at the park, and he was having some kind of, like, breakdown um, and was punching this chair and shattering it. And Brian just comes bopping in and is like, hey, everybody, what's going on? And I was like, like bright-eyed 19 or 18-year-old. I just remember, like, I turned to you and I was like, save me. And I think I walked into it when in the movie there's, like, that singing asshole. Yes. And he it was, was, that was what was and happening. he was punching the back of a chair and, he was and shattering it. a chair. Yeah. But that's that's one of my first definite memories yeah, of you yeah, yeah. just being like, "Hi, I'm going to leave with you now. You should leave too." Yes, and you'll be my friend. Yeah, forever. Forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> but yeah, then the next summer was when that was when the next summer was when I started working at the park, right? Yeah, and, and I moved to Mission House, which so, was the staff housing for the state park employees. So was this a year-round thing or just a summer thing? It was like, like um. Uh, like a spring, late spring, we summer. Made, we made it last as long as we could. Yeah, because we never wanted to go like back to school or back to wherever. Right. Um, so I think I think we tried to get up there in like April. Yeah. So there would be some some buildings would be open, but then the full sort of extravaganza with the right. um, costumed interpreters that would start in June. Yeah, May or June, something like so that. So they had they had a huge amount of visitation in just the three months that those programs were open. Um, and I would do my first summer I did ticket sales. And then in the years after that, I would do like, I would do just ticket sales for the stuff that was open before and after. And that way I never had to go home. (laughs) (laughs) So the goal is to never go home, right? Pretty much. Yeah. You're just trying to escape all the Well, it was so fun. I mean, because like the, so it's this island and it's only got 500 people who actually live there. And then everybody else just comes to work. Right. And so it's. You know, a lot of college kids, and um, it's like the real world. And, and, and there's no cars. Sort of is like the real world. Yeah. It's like the real world. There's no cars, and so you walk or you ride your bike everywhere. Or like, if you get, you know, if you need to haul stuff, you would get a horse-drawn taxi. <laughs> yep. Um, when you had coin, so you, kind of, <laughs> you would get the taxi. You know, it was a pretty safe place to if you had had a very strict. Um, sort of restricted childhood. Right. It was a really safe place to like splash out. 
and have a good time right. for the first right. time. So like and a, you just got to hang out all the like time. Rum Springer? Like, is that what that's called? Rum Springer. Yeah, <laughs> it was just <laughs> Yeah, that is true, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was good. And we... We did have, but the working for the park was a really, it was a really great thing too because our jobs were um, really rewarding. Yeah, were you state employees? Yeah. Well, like with benefits and shit? Like, yeah. well, okay. no. no. So okay. the, we were part of seasonal staff. Got, oh, yeah. The, so and it's a, the, that particular branch of state parks is funded by, um, by bonds. Yeah. So it's oh, sort okay. of a separate line item from the whole right, state right, budget because right. it's connected to the Mackinac Bridge bonds and how okay. that was funded. So right. um, it's a whole thing. Yeah. But it actually, and it actually was a relatively well-paying job, you know. It was. And we didn't have 18, <laughs> you know, 18 roommates in one tiny room with bunk beds all over the place. Like, we paid very little in housing comparatively, and we worked during the day. Right. So most, you know, most jobs where you're going to make money were like bartending, serving, which you were going to do at night. Yeah. And then the job itself, um, and then, we yeah, both it was just really, really liked it because yeah. you, so our jobs were a little bit different because they, for the, most of the male staff was in the fort itself. And then I was eventually in charge of this program that was like a bunch of um, historic buildings scattered around the right. town. And so you would get a ticket and you could visit each one of them and then there'd be a costumed interpreter in each building who would tell you the story right. and demonstrate different things. And um, it wasn't like, we weren't, we weren't, so there's, with inter historic interpretation, there's like first and third person. So first person is when you act like you are the person in the past. Okay. Like. Which we did do for special events. So that's, so like, and that's reenactment type. No. no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Complete enlightenment. No, no, no. This is very interesting. I mean, maybe just we, to me. But. We received lots of questions <laughs> okay. when we were there. Because um, people are always confused. Yeah. Like, no one knows what a historic interpreter is. Yeah. Okay. They would always say, oh, you're reenactors. And we, I, you know, I would always just be like, um, no, a big difference is we get paid. <laughs> oh, okay. So then, wow. Actually... Then, like, you get, like, you get, like, a little bit on your high horse, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was 19. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That horse couldn't get higher. <laughs> I was in my early 20s through this. <laughs> this was actually when I went on, when I went to Kentucky, and I was, um, supervised a facility there that was living history. This was my ringer question on interviews. Because if people had done any reenactment, oh, yeah. wow, okay. I would say to them, can you tell me what the difference between a reenactor and an interpreter is? Wow. And um, because to me, the answer to that is, A, you're, you're paid. It's a professional position. And B, it's that you're there to educate people. Yeah. Because okay. it's, whereas a reenactor's doing it for fun. It's a hobby. Right. And they may have this huge investment and they know a right. lot. But, like, we had a specific agenda because we were funded by, in you know, in both locations, in Kentucky and in Michigan, for me, like, we we had um, we had an agenda of what we wanted to convey to people. Right. So it wasn't just, like... Yeah, reenactors were people who were doing it for themselves, yeah. and interpreters were people who were doing it for the public. It sounds like, to me, uh, an interpreter is a person who gets, like, possessed <laughs> by a historical figure. Or someone who lived in that time. Well, and it's like, like interpreting a Yes, like, you know, like, yes, oh, exactly. Like, yes, you yes. got the Holy Ghost or something like that. That's what it sounds like to me. But, okay, so you were interpreters. We were interpreters. You both, and you both, at certain points, shared that role. You were an interpreter. Yeah, we worked um, generally one day a week together. Because I worked in the fort the entire time. Like Karen was just saying, 
you know, she worked in these historic houses for the most part. I worked in the fort entirely. Right. So we depicted a very specific time period. It was the 1880s. It was when the state park had just become a state park, and um, it was still manned by soldiers. So, but it was not a wartime. You know, they were just. It was a peaceful. Yeah, like people were already tourists were already coming to get fudge there yeah. in the 1880s, and yeah. 1890s. Oh, not fudge in the fort. Fudge in the town. Yeah. <laughs> it had also already been a port, right? Like, it was where all the furs came through for John Jacob Astor. Uh, so they... Also, because at the top of Michigan, you can then go down either Lake Michigan toward Chicago or Lake right. Huron toward Detroit. So that was why that was such a specifically important okay. place. So, I mean, <laughs> when you're, like, 19 20... Uh, like job, you just take any job. Like, was this a job you sought out? I mean, was I like, like? Well, because he'd been coming for so long. I had sought out specifically the scout coordinator job. Okay, which was a very difficult job because it was one position, and a number of geeky scouts, you know, like wanted this job. But then when I saw, you know, the interpretation, I got to know the other people working right. for the state. I was like, wow, that is like. So much cooler, yeah. uh, except specifically not because we wore wool uniforms. Oh. It was literally all yeah. day, literal wool, itchy, In hot, terribleness, summer, terrible, like, terrible. Yeah. terrible the Victorian right dress headline was up to your chin oh. and had twenty five buttons down the front. I always said it was like a rosary right. when Oof. you put it on. Yeah. But then you get to you get to fire a cannon. I fired cannons and rifles. Um, you played I all learned, kinds of instruments. Yeah, I learned so many new instruments when I was there. I was hired because I, of my bugling skills, um, which is mostly trumpeting skills. They're right. not that different. Um, but then I the trumpet has the three, and then the bugle has nothing. Oh, yeah, so, it's, so it's just embouchure. Yeah, it's just um, different intervals, like. You know, one, three, five, seven, or something. I don't. I don't know shit about this anymore. <laughs> it's funny because I actually <laughs> like, have a Google here right now. Uh, <laughs> you every yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Click the extras button to hear Brian just <laughs> massacre a bugle. Um, no, I learned like a fife. I learned how to play a fife and different percussion instruments. Cool. I tried playing Bowling? like a boron. Yeah, it was just like the a bar, um, the Irish drum. The yeah. Irish drum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, I learned how to play different things, and it was fun, you know, it was just a, I liked doing what I was doing there, and I liked being in a place where I could just mess around with a fife, like, I could just go sit on the other side of the building, and play my face off, and people would come up and be like, what are you doing, and I would yeah. talk to them. Because there would be, like, scheduled official presentations, where yeah. they would do, like, rifle firings, and music right. demonstrations, and all that, and then in between... You would just kind of hang out, and if you were a good interpreter, you made yourself available to the visitors. Oh, okay. So you... And if you were a bad interpreter, you hid. <laughs> and we all Ooh. had moments of both. Okay. Yes, we did. Um, oh, I, I always tried. I was, you know, I always tried, but... Um, well, a good interpreter would hide outside, right. and a bad interpreter would hide in, like, your staff room. <laughs> Inside, <laughs> so no one could find you. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be me. I'd be like, oh my god. Um, I guess so we didn't. We didn't have in the buildings. We didn't have the option of hiding. Exactly, because you, you were, were the only there. person there. Yeah. And not only did you have, you know, the obligation to speak to the people coming in, but then there were displays there of artifacts and right. things. And so, not like you were gonna 
body check somebody who tried to steal something, but still, like, you had, you know, an obligation yeah. to it, so you were just on. And yeah. We had this one building um, called the Beaumont, which was a store where this man in the 1800s was shot, and he was a fur trader, was shot in the stomach, mm. and he had this hole in his stomach that never healed completely. And so then there was a doctor called Dr. Beaumont in the fort who did all these, like, who treated him and then did all these tests on him, and that's how people learned how digestion works. Wow. So it was this massive medical discovery, and people loved that place. And so if you were there on, you know, I don't know why. It was also a hot corner. Yeah, so, true. It was like true. a corner that, ev- you know, everyone had to pass by this corner. I, mean, I don't know why Tuesdays were the busiest days of the week, but you would, you could get 1,400 people people coming through there really? and it was up to you to let them know what happened in there. Holy shit. Over and over and over again. Beaumont is also the name of a series of hospitals in oh, Michigan. All, all across the country. Is it all across the country now? Yeah, and there's, you know, Beaumont in Texas and there's, uh, they're everywhere. It's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Medicine. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, learning, like, so you guys working there, like, how, how is your interaction, like, with the Do you have a, a, a deeper respect, a, a, an appreciation, like, just coming across just the history of different things and the, just working there, I mean, I'm sure they would pick and choose which delightful stories to be told, you know. Well, we could also pick and choose stories. We had to have... <laughs> at least three sources. At least three sources uh, to tell any, you know, to say anything publicly. Uh, but we could, like, find their own stories as well to tell. I tried doing that so many times. I really had no connection whatsoever. Um, so you, were, you were allowed to use like did you, because you weren't, and this isn't a slam, you, you, you were much of a reader in those days. I definitely was not. I definitely so was not. So you were like, because for me, I was like a, I read all kinds of like historic fiction and stuff. That's not why I ended up with this job, but you know, I was, I was probably way into, more into history than yeah, you were. Yeah, I definitely wasn't. I hated history. But I think what it made me, you know, like when you're in school, you get the book, you get the official version that you're taught, and then... I think because we had the option to influence the programming like that, um, the idea that, well, you need to have at least three sources made me, you know, at the age of, like, 19, aware of the fact right. that they n- nobody actually knows what history is. Yeah. Because you just, you know, you just have to basically say, okay, this many people have said it. Right. So now it's yeah. true enough that we can... So. Yeah. That we can teach it to people. So here's the thing, like, which is, this is actually kind of funny, like, so you, you have to have three sources. It allows you to do research, and it kind of like allows the employee to have an investment in the position because they have some sort of agency, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, but most people were not doing that. <laughs> well, no, not, no, not this one, right? <laughs> <laughs> I always had my sources. <laughs> I mean, I used it to get my history minor. In the right. end, I okay. used it as like an independent study that I wrote. I totally a bunch forgot of you have a history minor. That is yeah, so I messed up. <laughs> Me too. I do too. You do too. Yeah. I forgot that too. But um, but here's the thing: like, there's probably, I mean, especially during that time, there's probably nothing going to be anything like negative about it. <laughs> yeah, like where, yeah. or at least you would find three, you know, three sources to. You know where I ran into that really hard was when I went down to Kentucky. Yeah. Because the facility that I worked at. Um, you know, you know in the movie Oh Brother where Art Thou, how they flood that town out? Yeah. So that they, so that was, um, the place that I worked at was on a piece of land called Land Between the Lakes. They're lakes now, they were rivers, 
and then the Tennessee Valley Authority dammed them. They flowed northwards, and so they dammed them at the top, and that's what created all the electricity for the region. But in doing that, they flooded out towns. And so then um, this land in between was also all taken, and so we would have people coming as visitors who were like, my grandmother owned this place. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Like, how long? That wasn't that. probably like 60, 70 years ago. Yeah. Right, right? Yeah. That's in the 20s, right? It was, yeah, it was yeah. within people's living memory yeah. for certain. And, and so we not only, there was that, and then we also, so this was in, um, in Tennessee. Uh, oh, God, was it in Tennessee or Kentucky? It was in Kentucky because we were right on the state line. Um, but, you know, the whole slavery. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, we definitely... We kind of were able to um, slide out of that one easily because we could say that um, they were mostly yeoman farmers in the area, and they, you know, they wouldn't have been well off enough to have slaves, but they certainly wouldn't have been opposed to it. Mm, that's interesting. So it was, it was weird, and then, but all kinds of things. When you're working with the public like that, and you're having one-on-one -on -one interactions with people, people say all kinds of crazy stuff to you. I mean, I had people come in there and say, you know just horribly racist things about Latinos to me. And I was like, I don't know why you think I'm going to agree with you on this. <laughs> Everybody there thought I was weird just because I was a Yankee. So this guy came in and he was wearing uh, sort of a colonial outfit. So he was like a 1600, 1700 era yeah, um, fur trade. Yeah, yeah you know how it is. <laughs> and that guy would be, would that guy be considered a reenactor? Re he was a reenactor. <laughs> yes. yes. So he was with this big group of people who were there for a weekend camping out or something. There are people who wear this shit in public of their own volition. Okay. Right. Which is weird to me. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hobby. It's a hobby, right? So right. We, yeah, so yeah. he came in and... Um, it's a lifestyle know. choice. <laughs> Listen, we don't look down on actors. We, well, whatever. We so, definitely do. <laughs> I could so, say that you do. I mean, I'm getting that vibe. Well, yeah, but people people like what they like, you know. Um, so this guy came in and he was very nice, and I yeah talked him through the whole you know the whole spiel with what the building was about, and um, he was just kind of hanging out, and it was um, it was a quiet day, and so that was fine. So we were just chatting, and um, and not really a place to hang out in. Not really, because the it had been it was after it had been redone, and so it had it had a um, a bar like a you know. 1840s era store mm. that the interpreter usually sort of stood behind um, and gave the presentation and so he was just sort of hanging out 10 feet across the room sitting on a bench but we were talking about stuff so I was really the great thing about being an interpreter is when you felt if you were having a bad day you could just sort of dig in and talk more you could go further into the history if and right. um, you know just amp it up and it would really help. And so this guy was kind of, I mean, he wasn't making me like, you know, me too kind of uncomfortable, but it was a little bit weird to be like, you know, 20 and with this dude just hanging out in this historic house with me for no good reason for a long period of time. And so I just went into like hardcore interpreter mode and started like, oh, so there's this item. Yeah. Do you ever, you know, do you ever talk about this? Do you ever talk about this? So I was being very just casual and friendly with him, and he came up to look at some, um, uh, what do you call a duplicate? Um, oh, replica? Replica mm. artifact. And um, I said, wow, something smells really smoky. And he said, oh, that's my pants. <laughs> because he had um, smoked and cured 
um, the leather for his own pants, and so they smelled like jerky. <laughs> I, I, oh, your face. My face. Yeah, I'm just no one can see that. But my, and disgusted. My, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Had like a, we had a picture of my face after he said that's my pants, and how I had to like move on from it. So good. So like, you I, just would meet all kinds, you know. All kinds. No, but how? God. Um. <laughs> like, so that smell is always there. Like, let's say you. I mean, made I'm pretty pants, sure that's just like his smell. Years. No, it was, it smelled like beef jerky. I mean, he... You think he was just a beef jerky kind of guy? No, I mean, like, when you do... He was wearing chicharrones. <laughs> when, you, when you do something like, as a hobby... Crispy and crunchy. Yeah. And delicious. He knew what his dinner was. <laughs> no, I mean, people just, like, when you, when you try to learn to do a skill that people did for survival in right. the past, you may not do it that well. Like making your mayonnaise? Yeah, and he probably had never worn those pants before. You know what I mean? Like, he probably had done a whole... Don't say something gross. He had probably done, like... <laughs> he had probably done... That was directed know, this, towards Brian, not me. Yeah, this is, like, a big project to, oh, I made my pants because we're going to have the big reenactors weekend. Yeah. And then, oh, wow, they smell like beef jerky. But he didn't seem ashamed. No, he was proud of those pants, oh, yeah. I'm sure. Why oh, would he have just, been? Oh, but how do they look? You know, <laughs> they, they look like colonial pants. He did a good job. <laughs> he did a great job. And then the, I think after that, then this family came in and I was able to be all, Oh, hi, welcome to the Bowman. Yeah. This is where Alexis St. Martin. You were like, you were, you were mouthing. <laughs> yeah. There Thank were you. always those moments, right? Like where, you know, someone would come in that really wanted to find some connection. Yeah. Like, I remember this um, This family came in. I wasn't doing a tour at this point. My tour was first thing in the morning. So I banged that out right away. But um, but I was just, you know, walk, wandering around or whatever, talking to people. And this family came in, and their son was blind. Mm. And they said, you know, we're just, they didn't know where to go or what to do and what was next. And I said, well, I can just give you a tour if you want. Um, so, like, you know, I just walked with his family around the fort and took him, you know, took them, but had him specifically feel this building that was like the oldest building in Michigan. And it was like the original stone. And from it has seven... what, four, four or five foot thick walls? Yeah. So even in the middle of the summertime, it's always cold. Yeah. Walls. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like after that, you know, we went up to the cannon platform and I, you know, had him actually just like... Touch shoot the cannon. The can- I had him shoot the cannon um, at his sister. He didn't. He yeah, did not care for her. He didn't know. He did not care and for her. Just to be clear, shooting the, the cannon demonstration. It was powder. The cannon there demonstration no was just powder. Just powder. Um, no Because no. it's, it's shooting out into the ship main shipping lane of Michigan. So yeah. This over so like over a park. Yeah. So like freighters <laughs> are coming through. I would have honestly like so many times. Whatever we said this so many times. It was shooting right over the marina as well. And I was like, <laughs> I'd love to shoot those fuckers. <laughs> like I not not and not kill anyone, but I would love to just shoot a cannonball out of this like two hundred year old cannon yeah. and sink one of those See you know happens. dumb. Sh- so did you? So here's a cannonball question. Um, <laughs> and not Bert Reynolds, in Reynolds. Reynolds. Um, so I just got back maybe 
three weeks ago from St. Augustine, and they had the whole... Um, oh, yeah, you guys were just there. And they we went to the fort, and they had the whole... Um, they showed how the cannonball... Like, it was a whole ritual of, like, the person steps back, does this. It was, like, like 20 minutes oh, yeah. prior to... Yeah. Firing it's, a it's fucking a cannon. Situation. A, was it the same way? If it took you 20 minutes to fire a cannon, you definitely lost. <laughs> like, you lost whatever that battle was. But, you know, there were different positions, right? Like, right. there was the person who put the powder in. There yeah. was the person who put the ball in. There was the person who stuffed everything you down. Had, did they do the, like, they had to, like, like take, like, a wood to, like, lift the rolling thing to push it forward? Totally, and, totally. Yeah, like, how did anyone ever, like... Die in any battle like well, that. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, they definitely did. Yeah, I know, <laughs> like, they, they, I know did. they did. But, like, but if you lost even one person, and then somebody else had to, you know, do a double roll in that hole, it's like a dance troupe. Yeah, a it's really crazy. Smelly, smoky yeah. dance troupe. The cannon demonstration was one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I guess because people were like so impressed by it. Yeah, it is impressive. I mean, he's shooting a cannon. And it's also beautiful because it was a beautiful the view. Fort is really high. Yeah, you know, you high, high over high the water up. in the Straits of Michigan and yeah. Michigan. Um, and there were good jokes embedded <laughs> in that. So the thing about you were asking earlier about like what did we like about history? I never connected to anything historically really about Mackinac. I would always try and find really subversive ways to bring in pop culture. <laughs> Right. To my presentations. So one of them was a um, a court-martial. Mm-hmm. And um, the, you, we did two of those a day. It was just, you know, a trial for some some guy drinking downtown. Mm-hmm. It was like a reenactment of, of that of an actually actual, happened. Yeah. Okay. That was one thing that was very cool about Mackinac is that they had, you know, over 200 years of documentation mm-hmm. of specific yeah. people. So there were always... You weren't just sort of talking about generically there were soldiers here. You were talking about this guy on this day. Who lived in that building. He went into this bar. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) So I would always just try and, like, you know, bring in pop culture references to make it really funny for people. And then the um, other part of that was that was the last demonstration that my boss was doing that day. And then he would get on a boat and go back to the mainland to his family. And so I would always try and make my part of the demonstration as long as possible. So I knew he had to run so much faster. (laughs) (laughs) At least it was downhill. (laughs) It was downhill. But he was, I mean, whatever. He he was totally fine. But the worst supervisor in the world. (laughs) Um, Like probably a decent human at this point. But just the worst supervisor and so every every time I was just like, well, I'm gonna try and make you late. So what would you you would didn't you do a thing where you would put more and more and more fifes in your? Pocket? I threw yeah. I mean, I had like Golden Girls references. I would play out full Golden Girls scenes. I did one thing where during the court martial, they can't tell me it wasn't accurate because it's not recorded in history that he didn't pull a fife out of his you know, jacket and play it. So I did that and then they took my fife away and so I just pulled another one out and started playing that. Like during the demonstration the audience thought it was hysterical. Was there one time where you had half a dozen fifes in your like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show? I had a number of fifes. I would just keep pulling them out and playing them. And then and I feel like, like he had to like boss to fully have a like Yeah, a, yeah, you could mind. see his you could see like if you did anything outside of the rules, it was just like, what's gonna happen here? And he would get all red and like, <laughs> I gotta go home, I gotta get on that boat. As if there wouldn't be another boat in 20 minutes. As if there's minutes. not another boat in 20 minutes. Yeah, but, you know. but that's what, yeah. I, that's I'm what, sorry. like... I mean, he'd been, working, he'd been working for 25 years longer than we had at that point, but... Really? 
Probably he was 25? old. He was old. He's probably old. I don't think. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, that's the <laughs> point. Oh, that's the math. I wow. Think. That's the worst. You are good at math. Thank you so much. <laughs> I wasn't a She's math She's not good at math. It's better than me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what, like, it was always a connection to people and, like, you know, doing fun things like that. Like, my coworkers thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And the audience thought it was a hoot, too. It was... You know, it was just a lot of fun. It was just trying to find ways that would make things that aren't inherently that interesting to everyone more interesting. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you said that too, like sometimes on Tuesdays and you see 1,400 people. Like, I mean, I guess what I'm, I guess my question would be, um, was it that interesting? <laughs> I mean, dude, we're in our early 20s. <laughs> no, not for you guys. I mean, for the guests. Oh, for them? Yeah. Oh, I think so. You think so? I mean, the. There were always programs, you know, they would change the programs at a certain point. At one point in our music program, where I played like every instrument, of yeah. course, um, you know, they wanted to have this whole dancing number, like bring the audience down to dance. And I was like, there's no, oh, they're awful. all like, they're all on this giant, like 70 foot porch. Right. <laughs> they have to walk, you know, 35 feet and in either direction in to get Michigan. off. They don't, they don't want people looking at them. Yeah. So that, you know, <laughs> there'd be a, a changing one. of programs like that one that I was yeah. just like, you guys, this is bullshit and it's not really working out. And oh, you don't ever have to do this. Right. Thankfully, I never had to do the dancing either because I was playing the music for it. Because mm. that was the most embarrassing part. <laughs> But the, so what Brian, <laughs> what Brian was doing up in the, in the fort was a lot more um, formal interpretation a lot of the time. So like formal is doing the presentation. Scheduled. Informal is the thing where you sit on the bench and make yourself available to talk right. with people exactly. about whatever they want to talk about. And whereas down in the, um, in the buildings, we were pretty much informal all the time because it was just whoever came in and then we had, you know, most people had sort of knew what spiel they were going to give for the, the particular building or whatever activity they were doing. But if, you know, like I said, it was, it was Michigan. Yeah. I mean, not every, people come from all over the world to visit Mackinac, but. They, that's what, that was, I guess that was the question. Yeah. People would? Yeah. 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 It's a special yeah. place. Really? It's a special place. It was, um. Guess where we're going so next it, year? It's. <laughs> <laughs> it was, <laughs> you will be totally accepted there. Open it, arms open for arms. you. What do you mean? <laughs> it is rather conservative. Yeah. I would not. And it's also really expensive to get there. Is it really? Well, A, if you can just get up to northern Michigan, which is very expensive for us to get up, you know, up there from here. But to go to the island, we calculated this at a certain point because both (laughs) of us sold tickets at certain Mm. points in pre or post season. And, you know, families would come up and they would be all hopeful, like, oh, I want to go see the Ford and I want to do this. And then we would tell them the price of their family of five. You know, which is a fairly normal sized family, and they would just be like, "Oh, I can't." I well, here's can't the thing. So that. I am from 45 minutes south of there. Yeah, so we're gone. I never, I never went there when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. He, we're gone. <laughs> he's threatening me with my mother. But yes, even, I yeah, am. Exactly. <laughs> yes, I am. But even before that, there's the ferry tickets. The ferry, yeah. and the ferry tickets got exponentially more expensive yeah. over our time of living but, there. Uh, there's a lot of school. I actually, I did go there once when I was a kid on a choir trip. We mm. went and sang at the Mackinac schools. Um, oh yeah, but it's I don't know. It's it, what I was gonna say is that like it it's always been a really special place because it's actually where the the creation story of the Native American tribes in the area takes place. Yeah, because it's called um, 
the the name Mackinac actually means Island of the Great Turtle because on it um, it comes up in the middle, which is what creates the bluff that the fort sits on, and so it looks like a turtle shell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where they would come for their religious gatherings, and then also um, to trade. Okay. And so that's how it just sort of the makes central. sense. Yeah, yeah. And there's um, I don't know. There's there's something special there, and it you know it draws. I mean, anytime you have a tourist destination, you know. Now I know this. You have people who have that kind of wanderer. What do they call them? Um, like follow the sun, you know, people who, yeah. yeah. Um, And sort of free spirited people who do that. But we were also working for a nonprofit. So we were working with people who were pretty nice. And um, yeah, so as far as whether it was interesting, people, people would, um, you know, like when they were listening to a present, a formal presentation, if they weren't that into it, you know, they could back off and go wherever, but they generally stay. They weren't that long. No. And then, um, well, that was the whole point, right? Is like read your audience and yeah. see when people start. Because, yeah, I had like 12 facts I could say. And if I saw it was like a 95 degree day, no you know, and that. the sun was beating right down, you give like five of those facts. They didn't even know focused, at all. A lot of people are focused on your, your costume. Yeah. And getting a picture. Yeah. And, and is that, they would ask you questions like, is that real? Yeah. You know, like I'd be cooking over an open hearth and they'd say, <laughs> is that a real fire? It's a real fire, you know? Right. Um, And ours were real rifles. They just weren't, there were no bullets. Yeah. So people, you know, they would interact with you to the degree that they wanted to. And sometimes, um, you know, like your your story about the the family that had the the child who was blind, there'd be Mm -hmm. other times where I do, you know, children's tours and there would be kids who just needed attention so Mm -hmm. bad from somebody and they just thought it was the coolest thing in the world that, you know... They that you were going to give it to them for right. ten minutes, and um, I don't know. It was it wasn't. Um, I know I said that our agenda was education, but it was also just making you know people have a fun vacation. Yeah, like whatever. Then, it meant like a lot of different things. needs for people. Yeah, because it wasn't even just about kids or families, right? Like I, rem- there was just one time I remember where someone wanted to leave early because whatever and they were like well no one's here I'm going to skip the last canon demonstration oh, someone on staff someone on staff and they were going to skip their last demonstration and um, then this you know older couple probably in their 60s or 70s uh, came up and they were like is there another cannon firing or no and I said no there definitely is definitely and so I went and did it mm. I didn't I, w- I was no longer working there. Like, right. I was ready to go home myself. But they, you know, I got to stand and talk to just two people gotcha. at that moment and fire a cannon for just two people right. who weren't really focused on, like, the loud bang of it. Like, kids were, you know, it was just a very human experience. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it doesn't really sound like it's more historical. It's more, like, just working with people. Yeah. I've yeah. never had a better job than that job. Right. So, and sometimes it sucks. Yeah, that's probably true. As, and I, you know, <laughs> jobs that I've had where I've had to work with people, like, sometimes races, because, like, you did a really cool thing and you had a heat, like, a human interaction with somebody. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's fucking close. Yeah, totally. I, mean, I, also, I also had somebody tell me they were going to re- take down my name to report me to the governor. <laughs> because they, you know, they were angry about, right. they walked, they walked up, the, oh, if you if you walked up the front entrance to the fort, which was an incredibly steep ramp. Yeah. And then somehow got to the, even though there was a massive sign at the bottom that said you had to pay to get in, got to the top, realized Didn't they had pay. to pay, 
and then just lost their minds. But there's also, I'm not, I don't want to hijack this story for you, but, you know, someone, no, this one that I'm going to tell, but, you know, this one woman came to Karen in one of the buildings, I think you were still working in buildings, and said, like, she wanted to get married somewhere. Oh, that was a and she was looking. One of my, I think it was my last, <clears throat> my last summer up there when I was, I don't know, 23 or something. Um, I was there preseason, and I was working in the visitor center, um, and because the, the main programming wasn't open yet, and this woman came in and she said that um, that she and her husband wanted to get married, and um, they didn't have money. The island's like a wedding destination, okay. and people pay a lot of money because it's so it's so picturesque, yeah. and the you know the horse drawn and Grand and, Hotel. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's a thing. Um, so they wanted to get married outside, but she said they couldn't afford to do it. And did I, you know, did I have any idea of what, what she they could, could do? do? Yeah. And I had been at that point, you know, that was my eighth summer up there. I'd been right. going up there in the summer wow. for, you know, three to six months since I was 16. And, um, I said, oh, I've always thought if I got married here, this is where I would do it. And there was this beautiful little outcropping that had a, um, on one of the bluffs right next to the fort that had um, a memorial to a, um, to a writer. It was called Anne's Tablet. Mm -hmm. And of course, I can't remember the writer's name now. No. But it was just beautiful. And it had, um, it had Finca. What is that called? Oh, Myrtle? Myrtle, creepy yeah. Myrtle. Myrtle or Periwinkle. They've got it all over in their yard. It's this vine, and it, it has... Well, it's a ground it's cover. It's crepe Myrtle. Oh, because I gave... That's yes, that one. The, the stuff I gave Tracy that you were displeased. <laughs> any plant that I've this given Tracy, the you're this displeased. This is not the podcast. We don't need any more plants. <laughs> so springtime and that's when that plant was so beautiful and there's it, so it just had purple flowers everywhere and mm. it was overlooking the bluff it had saint anne's um what is that uh queen anne's lace oh yeah that plant that is like this sort of it's a great name for a drug but yeah so i gave her my whole plan of if i was going to get uh, married this is how i would do it and then she came back two days later and said, we did it. Thank you so much. We oh, wow. She went back and did it. Cool. They went and got a minister, and they, they had my wedding. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> so that was always like, yeah, that to me was the important part. Yeah. It, it was never just about, like, even the historic interpretation, but just actually how much we cared for that island. Yeah. In, in all of right, its that's ways. Right, because that's part of... You grew up there, kind of. In yeah, a sense. that was the first place healthy. where I got to be who I was. Right. Because that was the first time I was ever away from my family. Right. So yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Like, that was the version of me I wanted to be. I got you. Yeah. Wow. Mackinac. Well, that was part one of our two-parter of episode one of season two. Uh, next week, we will have part two. Um, new memory. I am very concerned that Brian did not use his hand to point out certain parts of Michigan, which uh, causes me to believe that he may not be from Michigan. So tune in next week to see if his hand is used as map. Tune in next week to Broken Corners, uh, where you're here part two of our fun times with Brian. Thank you. Bye.